before we get to today's episode, I want to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor, Paperly. Paperly fills the gap in your traditional SIS or LMS and can save your school time and money. So check out their website at paperly.io. Now let's get to today's show. Oh, the classic oh Luke Callier. The classic Callier. Forgot to press record on the podcast. <laughs> That's, you had one job to do, Matt. I'm blaming you. I'm a, I'm a blame shifter. Oh, look, I was put off because we're using Zoom today. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, that was a, a malfunction. I reckon we're a good 10 minutes in this time. It might be the furthest we've ever got into a podcast, Matt. Yeah, I think it might have been. When I dropped, uh, I might have dropped the f bomb there. <laughs> we'll make sure that doesn't make the cut. <laughs> All right, sorry, Matt. We'll have to go back. We rewind. <laughs> rewind. Welcome to Ed Leaders, the podcast covering all the interesting ideas about leadership, strategy, culture, and the business of K-12 education. I'm your host, Luke Kelly, and joining me each week in the chair is my co-host and colleague, Matthew Irving, who's lost it. He has lost it. Uh, <laughs> Today, Matt, we are going back to our starting roots. We are going back to just a conversation with you and me. Time just to chat, time to riff, uh, and time to explore and reflect on what the year has been. Absolutely. So with that, let's get into it. Uh, not that we haven't done this already, but uh, <laughs> let's get into it again for the second time. Ah, Kalia, good job, mate. Good job. Uh, I'm out of practice. I'm out of practice. That's it. I'm well, you're in holiday mode. Yeah, you're in holiday mode. I get I'm in it. holiday mode. That's right. And uh, today we're recording on the 30th of December, 22. Uh, so uh, we uh, we are going to do a little bit of a review of 2022, and uh, hopefully, I'm going to publish this today. So that's my challenge. So with that, let's get into it, Matt. So we're going to start with our highlights. Two highlights, if you've got two, uh, for Ed leaders in 2022. Well, I think the two biggest highlights for me is just the number of listens we've had um, on the pod. We've we've reached 25,000 listens. Um, and for me, that's a great milestone, but a great reflection that what we're doing is is making a difference and people are wanting to listen, which is always the challenge with a, with a podcast. I think the other real reflection for me and, and highlight is just um, being able to to enter and speak into to different conferences in Canberra, into Melbourne, into Brisbane, into Perth, um, and meet um, our Ed Leaders fans. Um, and so many times we've sort of been at these conferences and people have come up to us and, you know, don't you know who we are? I'm like, no, I don't know who you are. Um, but they feel like they know us because they've listened to the pod. Um, and for me, that's been just a wonderful experience of connecting with like-minded educators, um, sharing the love um, and connecting uh, for me, that's been a great highlight for 2022. Yeah, I, uh, you know, as Matt, you know, I uh, often will send you a little snippet when we go past a little milestone, and um, yeah, it's certainly been pretty rewarding to see um, to see that growth curve as we've gone up. You know, the hockey stick kind of off to the right around, you know, downloads, listens, um, you know, growth in in terms of the reach of the podcast, and I, you know, I get a real kick out of it every time I send you that little that little message with a big red circle around it. Uh, and so that's been a lot of fun to, uh, to see that grow. Um, you know, I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were describing that relationship that listeners have um, with, you know, a podcast host or 
a live streamer as a parasocial uh, relationship, which I thought was an interesting uh, terminology. Um, but it is, it's kind of, I find it really cool when people mm. kind of come up to you and, um, or, you know, you meet people that as you're kind of having phone calls with people or doing different things in their normal day-to-day life or day-to-day work. And they go, oh yeah, cool. I listened to the podcast and I was like, oh, excellent. You know, and it kind of, it kind of catches me by surprise every time I remember being at an event and uh, I was getting a coffee or something like that. And someone said, oh, I recognize that voice. You're the guy from the podcast, aren't you? <laughs> and I was like, ah, yes. <laughs> Hopefully uh, you like it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, as you say, it, I think getting out and uh, kind of uh, meeting the community of people that listen, the community of people that want to engage in kind of like the authentic conversations that have their favorite episodes. Um, you know, it's a real thrill to kind of meet people who are, kind of enjoying uh, the concept of what we're trying to bring to life around authentic conversations and authentic connection. Um, and it's been a real, you know, real buzz when that happens. Absolutely. And what are, what are the other highlights for you this year? So for me, I had uh, two down. Um, one was the live podcast that we did uh, in Melbourne uh, and here in Perth. Just the nature of going from, you know, when we record these usually very early in the morning, our time um, here in Perth, uh, where it's just you, me, and a computer screen and a guest, to being kind of connected with, you know, some of the community that already know us, but also, you know, brand new people and taking it to the stage. It's just a it brings a different energy and a you know different emotion and a different nerves. You know, like I found, you know, you walk up on stage and all of a sudden you've got you know the mic strapped on and it's very different to kind of pressing record <laughs> when you remember on, on a computer screen and it's just a, just a few of you. So it's a real, uh, it's been a real thrill to be up there on stage. And something that um, not everyone does. I think that's been uh, quite a unique thing for us to do. And also to feed off that energy that you get from a crowd um, rather than just an individual that we're interviewing. I found that fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm looking forward to uh, bringing uh, one of them. Uh, I think we've got the recording of, of a couple of them, but definitely we'll bring the recording of the last one and hopefully the listeners will get a bit of a sense of uh, how that played out on the day. Yep, can't wait. And the other uh, highlight for me, Matt, was uh, our Mastermind Roundtable that we hosted in Melbourne. Obviously, uh, you know, off the back of uh, being in Melbourne for the Schoolbox Meetup, um, you know, hosting an event in Melbourne, over 50 people uh, showed up to, to share in the morning, uh, in the morning breakfast that we had. And just kind of that nature of uh, bringing together, you know, those uh, people in education that, that are valuing uh, what we do, but also the authentic connection in, in real time and, and, you know, in person. Uh, for me, that was a real thrill. Um, how did you find that morning? I found it fascinating because, um, you know, we were just facilitators on the day, you know, and people found their people and, and connected. And for me, spoke very strongly to who we are and what we're about um, in terms of our mission and purpose. And that is is to be in community with others, to connect with, with one another. Um, and I thought that was a great expression of that, um, you know, uh, though, Luke, there were some challenges in organizing that. Yeah, it probably took a little, uh, a little bit more of my time than I anticipated but um you know I guess in my head I was like oh you bang together an event kind of event page 
people will turn up. Uh, but yeah, it was probably <laughs> a little, a few more hours went into that than originally anticipated. But, you know, uh, I, the outcome for me was definitely worthwhile. Uh, and giving people that opportunity to engage in, you know, a space and a time for authentic conversations. You know, so often we're running around as educators, uh, going to a conference here and there, you know, having a quick five minute conversation over a coffee, but not really having time to go deep and understand the people around the table and uh, in a facilitated way. And I thought that was, you know, really worthwhile. And I think from that, that experience too, is, is the importance of just sharing the day-to-day obstacles and challenges people face um, that we're not alone and we can, we can share that burden, but also it was a great opportunity to inspire one another. Um, and, um, you know, we hope that that was, um, you know, impactful and that relationships, new relationships were formed um, and that they've continued since. Yeah, absolutely. So with that, we'll move on to the, uh, to the second part. Uh, second question, your highlights from your day-to-day normal role. Oh, highlights oh, from my day-to-day role. Well, do you want me to go first? Why don't you while go you're, first? While you're well, thinking about it. Well, well so just obviously so, well prepared. All right, look, I am. No, actually, no, no, I'll, I'll go because uh, uh, I am I'm well prepared um, in my mind uh, at this very moment <laughs> as I reflect on that question. Thank you, Luke. Um, probably the big highlight for me um, was probably two things. One, um, the fact that I got two rather large infrastructure projects to development application stage. Um, before Christmas, um, that was and big. They're big. They're big. They're, they're multi big. multi million dollar um, projects. Tens of million dollar projects. Okay, okay. So they're a bit big, um, but been on a two year journey, um, and to have that um, that next part of the process done before Christmas was a real. Oh, it's been worth it. Um, and I think the other thing for me throughout twenty twenty two, and not necessarily a, a single highlight but is that notion of holding things lightly that I don't need to, you know, hold everything so tightly and, and sort of manage and then micromanage and um, sort of, you know, direct traffic if you like, um, because I can be a bit of the traffic warden um, when it comes to, to strategic projects, but to let other people enter in into the space um, and to really understand what the notion of co-design means and co-creating means rather than, uh, the Matt Irving show, uh, which is often to to direct things, hold things tightly, um, and sometimes the outcome's not that great. Um, so not necessarily a single highlight, but more of a, uh, a modality, a, a way of, of practicing my leadership. So that, that'd be the two things I would highlight. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I've, I saw that in you across the year, uh, or the first nine months of the year anyway. Uh, but that challenge of um, always knowing the outcome or the answer that you want from a, a co-design, um, you know, and sometimes, uh, you know, in our relationship, I think we have often co-designed and come out with the two plus two equals five, but that's been a very developed over a long period. Um, but sometimes that's a challenge in, you know, in other situations. Absolutely. Sometimes you do have to direct the traffic um, and, and know what that outcome is and know how to get there. Um, but, I, but one of the things, you know, I've really reflected on is sometimes you can be really surprised. You may not be the outcome that you were seeking, but you know what? 
it's probably a better outcome. Um, and so that's been, you know, a real thrill this year. Um, and, and people shine, people step up and we've got extraordinary people in our schools, absolutely extraordinary people um, who have so much to give. Um, if only we provided some space for them. Um, so, you know, to see people grow into those spaces as, as part of a, a co-design of a project, um, again, it has been quite rewarding. And uh, obviously the two big buildings, um, you know, not certainly not without its challenges over the last couple of years, but, um, you know, is there any one thing that, you know, stood out this year in terms of, you know, a conversation or a milestone with those with those buildings or those designs? Well, it's been, it's been very challenging um, because you're working with so many stakeholders. Um, but I think the one thing, and it was interesting, we, we, I had lunch with, with our architects um, just before Christmas, um, just to kind of reflect on the year. Um, and I hope they were paying. Uh, they did pay for a very <laughs> nice lunch. Um, and so they should. Um, but one of the things that they said to us with the, all the schools that they work with and, and organizations, they have not seen a school who developed such a um, well-crafted design brief, a school that really knows what it wants to do and articulates it so well. Um, so they said that's the, that's the first thing. But the second thing also is the way that we hold the fidelity of that particular design, that we don't let the architect stray too far from it. Um, and it's something that I've deliberately done. It's very but, challenging with architects. Uh, absolutely. Because they, you know, shiny things. And what if we do this? And, you know, oh, we'll just create this, you know, beautiful mural here. And, oh, this design is just very funky. And so I'm like, well, it's not functional. And it doesn't meet the design brief. But for the architects to articulate that at that lunch, demonstrated me the importance of holding the line. Um, you know, I've always kind of, from, I guess, from a framework's perspective, had it in my mind and, and have, have really held the line on things. But for an architect to say, we noticed that, that we value that, and we wish more schools were like that, um, was just a great confirmation of how important it is for a school to really be clear about what they want. Um, what does it look like for students every day? What does it look like for teachers every day? Um, you know, it was just, that was an absolute thrill. Well, I think it goes to your point there around the design brief and uh, the amount of time, energy, effort, consultation that kind of went into that or goes into that. And the more time and energy and effort that goes into that in the front end, you know, leads to that, to that result. But on the back end, buildings that are, you know, for the most part, you know, well thought out. And then, you you know, as a school, you're the ones that are left to live with it. You know, you're the ones that are going to teach in it. You're the ones who are going to use it on a day-to-day -day basis. Architect comes in, designs flashy thing, posts it for awards, gets awards, moves on to next building. They don't actually live and use and breathe the building for the next 20, 30, 50 years. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, articulating what the architect's role is, you know, the architect's role is to take your design brief and to take our insights and our research and our stakeholder engagement. Um, and that's probably 60% of it. And 40% of it is for them to solve the problem. They are given a design brief. They need to, to meet that design brief, but their job is to solve problems. It's not our job to, to solve the problems. Uh, and I think the back end of that too, which is also reflected in this lunch that we had was um, you know, and we've just, I've just met a new director of finance and kind of onboarding them, but this idea of developing an implementation project, 
So once you've got the design, you're starting to dig the dirt, you've dug that first hole, well, you've got to move very quickly into developing an implementation plan with your stakeholders. Because how many times have we seen a new build (laughs) um, and it's all very flashy and you throw teachers and students in there expecting them to kind of use the space and they just end up using the space in the way that they've always used spaces. Um, You know, they set up their rows of desks, et cetera. And you're like, well, that's not the purpose of this building or the design of this building. Um, So being able to pivot in 2023, my job is to really move towards that implementation plan, bring the stakeholders back together and say, all right, what are the protocols and practices here? What are our agreements with the way we use this building? Um, And how are we going to make sure that everything we dreamt of in our design brief becomes a reality? Yeah, and just to go back to one thing you said there, which I think differentiates good architects and the more average architects, that the good architects solve the problems. You know, they don't just put lines on a piece of paper that look funky. They solve the problems that you're trying to solve. They don't, yeah. So, and I think that's an important point for, you know, architects to remember. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that, and that's just about having a really strong relationship um, and an honest one. Um so yeah, no, I think that's that's they're my my I guess my reflections from my role. Um, but intrigued, you've you've been in a couple of roles this year. What have been your highlights? Well, I kind of have to say the new, like one of the highlights is the new job. Uh, you know, new job, new school, new team. Um, you know, taking that step up to the executive leadership team um, at St Hilda's. Um, been really. Um, you know, an exciting journey and um, rewarding journey. Um, you know, I feel already very valued as part of that team. Um, and so that's been a real highlight for me, um, you know. And sometimes, you know, you and I have talked about that notion of imposter syndrome uh, and, you know, capability or feeling worthy. Um, but yeah, it's been a, a really interesting um you know, journey for myself to kind of go to that next level or take that step up and feel comfortable and feel like what you're bringing to the table is valued and listened to. It just talked to me about that, that concept of value. You talked about feeling valued. Um, I wonder what that looks like in practice. What have you noticed about the leaders around you that have, you know, where you've, you've got that sense of value and that you've got something to, to bring to the table? Uh, I, in my head, I guess two things pop to mind straight away. And that is like, um, you know, when you're asked for advice or suggestions, or even when you're not asked and you give advice or suggestions. And I always, you know, say, you can take this with a grain of salt. I don't expect, you know, having been here, the new kid on the block that this is necessarily going to be taken, but, you know, 80, 90% of the time um, that, you know, that's, that's listened to or taken on board or changed with your suggestions, um, you know, is really, really, you know, it's a nice feeling um, when that happens. Um, And then also just the feedback around, uh, yeah, I'm glad you're here. Mm. You know, I'm glad you're here. And I know that we're going to do some great things together. Um, You know, I'm so glad that that you're a part of this or that you're on this journey with us um yeah so those are the kind of things that pop to mind and that's really interesting that last piece um from a leader like that costs you nothing 
but uh, means the world. Um, you know, I'm so glad you're here. That for me, that just isn't that just a wonderful res. You know, a wonderful confirmation that you've made the right choice and that you're in the right place at the right time. Um, and you're there to make a difference. You're not there to to uh, make up the numbers. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, it's not that I didn't feel that at Wesley or, or in working with you, but it just in a different way and a different level, um, you know. So, and then probably the second highlight for me was really um, seeing the people that I was working with um, at Wesley flourish, you know, and leaving them in really in positions of they have the opportunity to really flourish and do well with the next part of their journey in their career um and that was you know super rewarding to see that I, I i felt like i'd kind of tried to be planning that you know for the last kind of year or 18 months i didn't know that i was going to be um you know leaving this year um it wasn't really on the agenda um but it was really rewarding to see those people flourish. Yeah, wonderful. All right, moving on, Matt, to uh, two highlights for your own personal life. Okay. Uh, highlights for my personal life. Well, one would be, and we, we probably sort of spoke about this right at the beginning of the year, when I might have been absent um, from a particular podcast, um, and that is just uh, the road of recovery um, after a car accident. Um, it's been a, a long journey, but I've come such a long way. Um, and I feel, um, I actually feel better this time of, of year than I've been all year. And so for me, um, just that, that personal uh, journey of, of recovery in my personal life, um, it hasn't been without its challenges, but I can sit here now and just go, wow. Um, I feel so much better. <laughs> um, so that would be a real highlight for me, even though it probably doesn't sound too, too good, debt too flash. Well, it's um, been a long journey. It oh. was a lot, you know, and a lot of setbacks along the way. You know, you've been a couple of stints in hospital, uh, but that, I mean, we caught up, I don't know, two weeks ago, just before Christmas. And I, I, I said it to you at the time, it's the best I've seen you mm. all year, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, I didn't, at the time, you don't imagine that you're actually going to be, you know, healed, if you like, um, or fully recovered. But I can, you know, I feel great. Um, and so, you know, watch out 2023. I think... Uh, Look out. Matt's dangerous. And and uh, as one of my previous colleagues said, Tigger's got his bounce back. So watch out. Um, <laughs> and probably the, the other thing for, for me personally... Um, is, is the journey that I've, I've taken, um, we've taken as a family um, and to get to the end of the year in one piece um, we, with our children and, and um, the ups and downs of, of different medical things across, across the year, um, to get to the end of the year in one piece. Um, you know what? I'm quite joyous about it. I'm, I'm quite thankful. Um, and, uh, you know, this summer break is a great time to, to rest and refresh and, and renew uh, as a family. Um, but certainly it's been, you know, to get to the end of the year, there was many times where my wife and I didn't think we would get to the end of the year with our family uh, in one in one piece. Um, and so to get there, um, you know, in a moment of reflection, I'm just so thankful, just so thankful. And just for the audience, Matt, um, you know, not to go into any details, but just to give the audience a sense of your family and their ages, um, 
so that they understand, you know, a bit about you? So I have three children um, from, and we have two daughters, uh, 14 and 13. So one's just finished year nine, one finished year seven. Uh, and I have a son who's nine. So he's in year three. Um, so, you know, those people that have teenagers uh, will know better than anything um, what uh, that time looks like. But we've had a few, um, you know, medical things across the year, um, particularly with the girls, um, that's required a significant amount of intervention um, from, from a range of um, medical professionals. Um, and uh, that continues on a weekly basis. Um, so, yeah, that just gives just a bit of a bit of a snapshot of, of what life looks like. Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, Sam and I talk sometimes. I mean, you know, I'll get to, to my family in a second, but so the three and a five-year-old, I mean, I was just uh, at a family event a couple of days ago and they've got a, she might be year eight going into year nine, I think. And she was on the phone and she had that, this surly look going on. And I was like, Sam, I don't, ever want our kids to be teenagers can we can we keep a phone out of their hands until they're like 17 uh you know like it was just you know just get that reflection and that reminder of uh all that to look forward to absolutely good luck with the phone till they're 17 uh, i wish you all the best um but uh you can expect some sass it, it'll come yeah. it'll come yeah thanks yeah <laughs> uh <laughs> For me, Matt, um, I had two uh, down. The first was, um, you know, the stuff that I achieved with, you know, like my little side hobby of running, uh, running an ultra marathon, 65K is the, uh, in Avon Valley. Nuts. Uh, Absolutely nuts. <laughs> uh, it took 12 hours, so it wasn't the quickest of, uh, quickest of, uh, of runs, but, um, you know, 2,700 metres of vertical, uh, a big, big day and a uh, big event and thank my mum and Sam for coming out and supporting me at the checkpoints along the way. But um, that was very cool as was uh, running the Melbourne marathon uh, in October, um, running out onto the MCG with uh, one of my good buddies um, across the last uh, 35 years was pretty cool. But it's uh, some pretty big achievements. Um, and despite me giving you uh, absolute grief, uh, cause I do think you're a little bit nuts. Um, what a wonderful thing to look back on and go apps you've achieved some pretty significant milestones there yeah absolutely i um you know when i first ran my first marathon two or three years ago i thought it was going to be a one and done um so to get bitten by the bug a little bit and um, to kind of get into it it's been it's been a fun journey and uh and uh watch this space because i've signed up for an 80k ultra down oh in, no in margaret river in may i know so I I'm not going to be at the finish line to pick you up. Let, oh, me, let me tell you. Why not? Come on. Just pop down for the weekend. It's only a three and a half hour drive. You'll see me cross the finish line looking like a 90 year old man. <laughs> I'll, I'll have the stretcher ready. Like this? Yep. You can, you can borrow my walking stick. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. And the second uh, highlight for me was, um, you know, obviously family related, but watching, uh, watching the kids kind of grow and learn. Uh, you know, Harvey across the year learning to read um, was pretty cool. Mm. Uh, you know, bringing home his reader and, you know, getting pretty excited when he can kind of read through a, you know, a book with a couple of sentences in on each page was pretty cool. Um, you know, watching him learn to swim by himself across the year 
um, you know, no assistance in their floaties and just recently taking off the training wheels on the, on the bike. And he was off and that was a, a pretty cool moment watching him, uh, you know, take off for the first time on his bike. Um, and uh, with Olivia, Biddy, as we call her, uh, you know, going to big school for the first time in pre-kindy, like not even a tear, Matt, not even a tear, just straight in, getting involved. <laughs> That's uh, fantastic. Yeah. And uh, just in the last month or two, being able to almost write her own name, which has been uh, pretty cool to see. Some great highlights there. Fantastic. Yeah. Now, uh, I've got lowlights. Oh, yeah, yeah. Have you got any lowlights you'd like to share, Matt? Well, I think we've alluded to a few things uh, already uh, from a personal perspective. Um, Look, I I probably have quite a broad one. And I think 2022 has been a really hard year for a lot of people. And, you know, I reflect on on my colleagues. um, I reflect on our school. And it's been a a real sense of, of hardship. In, in many cases. And we talk about um, here at Ed Leaders, what's in your backpack. And so many people have had um, personal and professional uh, things that they've loaded up in that backpack and have been holding things quite heavily um, as they've gone about their business. Um, and 2022 has been a year of not being able to delineate between your personal and professional life. There's been a real sense of crossover um, and a blurring of the lines, if you like. And that's been a great challenge for people. Um, and the more people I meet, the more people I speak to in, in other places, not just my own colleagues, there's been a real sense of that in 2022 coming out of COVID. Um, there's been a real, um, you know, recalibration, if you like, of what's important. Um, but yeah, certainly there's, there's been a lot of hardship out there. Um, and that's, that, that's something that for me as a leader, um, needing to be conscious of um how do we support those people uh in a pastoral sense um but yeah how do you how do you manage the the low lights in people's lives um and how do you help them to hold both their professional and personal lives together so in that that'd be just a kind of a really broad reflection um you know on a personal note probably haven't achieved everything i, I set out to achieve because um of, of my accident and, and my family. Um, you know, I had great dreams of a new learning and teaching framework and I had great dreams of a refined leadership framework of development. And, you know, I had some some big strategic pieces that I wanted to deliver, um, but they were just put on the back burner. Um, so for me, those things disappoint me, um, but I'm not disheartened. Um, and so I know that 2023 is a new year um, and I can get back on on the horse if, you, if that's a way of saying it. To, to deliver those things. So that would be my reflection around our low lights. Um, but for someone who's so optimistic about life and so happy, Luke, <laughs> what might be your low lights? Uh, yeah, I'll get to them. I just want to talk about that backpack notion for a second. It's something that we, we have talked about a lot, you know, in our own um, conversations around that challenge of as a leader, never knowing what's in someone else's backpack until they show you. Um, and that's really hard sometimes because of whatever reason, you know, say in a new, like I'm in a new school in a new context, I don't have five, six, eight years of relationship to fall back on to understand about what's in their backpack or for them to feel comfortable sharing 
what's in their backpack. And some some people uh, will will do that quicker than others. But that notion of a, you know to be a truly great leader, sometimes I think you need to understand that backpack for all of those people around you. Um, and it's not until you really understand what they're carrying um, that you can truly be in relationship with them in a way um, and get the, get the best out of that relationship for both of you, you know, for both of you in a personal sense in terms of um, satisfaction for coming to work every day, but also in a, a sense of getting the best out of them for the, you know, from their work that they do. Uh, and what they're bringing to the table. And I think, um, you know, when you are um, developing new relationships um, and you are looking at, at your people and trying to understand their backpack, you know, there's three notions that, that, that I sort of fall back on. And that is, what do you notice? What do you notice about someone's physical, you know, um, presentation? What do you notice about their engagement? What do you notice um uh, about their demeanor and etc. So notice noticing is is something that's really important, and then inquiring, you know, inquire. How are you traveling today? What's on your mind? Not how are you? Are you well? Um, let's move beyond that to some more deliberate questions um, that help you surface what's in someone's backpack without being invasive. Uh, and then you know, it's it's too easy to say how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, that that doesn't tell anyone anything. No, I, I like the question of tell me how you're going on a, on a level of one to 10. Yeah. Cause I think if we, we are to be truly human, we need to be in relationship with one another. We need to be connected. And so we need to find ways of building meaningful connections and yes, how are you when you're off to a meeting and, and just general niceties and pleasantries it has its place. Um, absolutely. In, in building community. But if we want to go deeper, we have to ask deeper questions. Um, and so I think that's really, really important. And then depending on what, what, what you notice and, and how you inquire and, and the, the data that comes from that or the, the, the insights that come from that, well, what's the plan? You know, as a leader, as a manager, you have a responsibility um, to, to support people. Um, it, it's also your responsibility. If, if you hear something, you need to act. And so you can't just, you know, listen to that and just take that on board and, and carry that as a monkey on your back. What are you actually going to do about it? Um, so notice, inquire, plan is, is, is a bit of a framework I heard earlier in the year. Um, and, and I think it's, it's, uh, it's, if I think about my own practice uh, and building those connections, the, the things that I've fallen back on. Yeah, nice. So uh, going back to me for a second. Yeah, let's go back uh, to you. The... You, seg you segued into this whole other uh, space. Yeah, yeah, I did. Come on. <laughs> did. Um, yes, uh, you're right. I am a pretty optimistic and uh, person and uh, like to see the uh, the joy in life. So um, for me, I had not working with you every day. Oh, as a really? low light. Yeah. Oh, I thought that'd be a highlight. Well, no, I uh, you know I miss being able to not just wander into your office at any time oh, yeah, of the yeah. day and uh, go, Matt. I had this idea. I had this great idea last night. Uh, what do you think about X, Y, Z? Well, Matt, I was thinking about Matt. Have you got five minutes? <laughs> Well, let's just say Matt's never had five minutes and never has time for an idea, but that doesn't stop Luke from just, you know, coming to the door, closing the door and away he goes. That's true. Uh, it <laughs> never stopped me. No. Uh, more often than not, you would say, yeah, of course, I've got five minutes when you really you didn't, but, you know, you'd entertain me anyway. And then 45 minutes later, you leave. Well, that's not my fault that you keep talking. 
<laughs> well, I, as a as a good leader, I'm I'm practicing my reflective listening skills, making you feel valued, Luke. Yes. All right. So, uh, yeah. No, that is a that is a low light um, for me. I, you know, obviously, uh, you don't often, um, you know, you know. I think in in my career, there's very few times where, you know, you get to work with someone that you truly enjoy working with every day on a day-to-day basis. Um, and so moving on from that has been a challenge and hard and, you know, in some ways sad and a bit of a low light. Obviously I've got different challenges and different people to work with and different people to have those conversations with, but um, you know, that's, that, that's been a, a bit of a low light for me. Hmm. I'm, I don't know how to respond to that, but yeah, no um, need. I, I, I'll just leave it there. And, and yeah. uh, you know, the sadness is mutual. Yeah. All right. With that, we'll move on to something uh, more uh, more exciting. Matt, <clears throat> your three favorite episodes of Ed Leaders throughout oh. the year and why? Oh, 2022. We've had some great uh, episodes. Probably the three um, that stick out for me. Um, I really loved our conversations with Rob French, um, who's a new principal in 2022, and he was generous enough to give us some time um, before, you know, he's sitting in the chair for his first week and then the first hundred days. And, you know, reflecting on that particular episode, um, it was a really interesting insight in how to, to listen and learn your way into an organization um, when you're new and when you're the, the leader. Um, I thought he articulated that very well. I loved his humility. He was such a humble guy. Um, and, you know, he leaves, he leads with heart. Um, and so it was just beautiful um, for him to share that. And the other thing that that really stood out to me was his ability to pause on decision making. Um, you know, in, in schools, in leadership, we know that some of us are making, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of decisions every day. But Rob has this notion of just stopping and going, you know what, I'm going to get back to you. I just need some time. Um, and to, to go into his office to reflect on an important decision and then make the call and not feeling like he has to make every decision on the run um, as often we, we find ourselves. So uh, Rob French, um, the other one was our Peter Hutton um, arc. Uh, that was a fantastic, insightful conversation with Peter. Um, for me, two, two parts that came out um, was his real passion for equity in education in this country. Um, how do we break down our system um, to create equity um, across both public and private education. Um, what a great challenge to, to all of us to reflect on and, and to think about how we do that. Um, and the other one was a real interesting um, quote uh, around leadership, rise uh, um, as far as you can, as fast as you can. Um, this notion that we need to serve, you know, long-term apprenticeships, et cetera. Um, you know, he just said, it's absolutely furphy, just go for it. And so I took a lot of heart from that. Um, I was really encouraged by that. And then my third episode um, was Nisha Flint um, in Geraldton, um, leading Geraldton Grammar. What a powerhouse is Nisha? Um, and what does it actually mean to lead a community? Not a school, but lead in a community more broadly. Um, and she shared some pretty um, interesting insights, particularly around tra- tragedy and how you, you act as a pastoral leader. How do you roll up your sleeves and, and you're in the midst of it and you're, you're sitting with a family who's explaining, um, you know, that their, their father has passed away and 
um, it was a, an interesting reality check about just the complexities and the hardship that that principals face, um, but how you can lead through that successfully. Um, so for me, you know, uh, Rob, Nisha, and Peter were some some uh, interviews that we did that I, I drew a lot of inspiration from. Well, you know what's funny about that, Matt, is that I, I drew up my list independent to you. We haven't shared uh, what was on these lists. And I had the Rob French episodes, Peter Hutton and Nisha Flynn. <laughs> no way. Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I had some special mentions, but um, as well uh, to alongside those three, but uh, you know, to, I, you know, I couldn't have said it better. The, the three that you picked out, you know, Rob, you know, the, obviously, you know, giving up his time to share his journey, um, you know, and be vulnerable in, in going through that journey with an audience of people that he doesn't know um, and sharing that journey so that others that are going on that journey um, can, can have an understanding of what maybe to expect or what, to, what, to, what they can learn from his journey. Um, I thought was, you know, um, and, and as you said, the humility, you know, leading with his heart, just, you just get that sense that he's just a nice guy and, you know, all kudos to him for, you know, sharing that with us. And I thought that was just, you know, exceptional, um, exceptional interview, really, you know, series. And I'm looking forward to getting back on with him, uh, you know, next week or the week after and, and just closing out that arc. Um, you know, a year on from sitting in the chair for the first time and, and how he's going. Um, Peter Hutton, you know, obviously, uh, you know, it was a pretty big um, moment for us to have a guy like Peter agree to kind of come on the show. There's, a, you know, Peter, obviously very well known in education, has a lot of, um, you know, is well known through the future schools and what he created at Templestowe and Kind of listening firsthand to that journey but then also going into you know his goals for the future and what he'd like to achieve with the types of schools that he'd like to create um you know it was super fascinating and you know as we've been on our own journey in that space just i guess fascinating to to understand what really motivates someone like him and as you said it's really about equity um mm. and finding equitable ways to ensure that kids are being able to learn in meaningful and authentic and engaging ways. And Nisha, of course, just that, that sheer authenticity, uh, you know, and I, I love that about her when I worked with her um, at PLC uh, when she was in the head of senior school role there, but it, it really shone through that she just tells it how it is. There's, there's no sugarcoating with her really. Um, and that notion of just, it's okay to be authentic to who you are as a leader. You don't have to get into a role and change the type of person that you're going to be. Um, and, and that's okay. So, yeah. so go on. No, I, absolutely. And I just think, um, if you reflect on those three, um, uh, interviewees, that they have their, their own authenticity. They they know who they are. They speak speak um, you know truth, um, and I think um, you know I think that there's a really interesting connection between all three of them. Absolutely. Now I've got a couple of special mentions, Matt, as well. 
Because, you know, it's like having children having episodes. You can't just, <laughs> it's hard to pick just a few. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. So I had a special mention. I obviously have to mention um, Fiona Johnston. A year ago, uh, sitting in her office recording an episode of the podcast, uh, never would have thought that, uh, you know, 10 months later I'd be working for her. Uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, I remember thinking at the time just, how much of a vision she had for the type of education that she wanted to deliver um, and the type of strategic thinking and, and so forth that she was doing. Um, so shout out to her, um, of course, being my new boss. <laughs> uh, tick. Tick. And uh, a couple of episodes that surprised me, I guess, um, were the episode about entrepreneurship and education with Baden really early on in the year just a super interesting and engaging conversation uh, and just that notion of he really knew his stuff. <laughs> um, Duncan uh, from Ed Rollo. Yeah. Yep. yep just a totally. cracker, just a, yep. you know, an A grade, A plus grade player. Absolutely. You can see why he's being super successful in what he's doing. Super laser focused on, you know, doing what they're doing with Ed Rollo. Um, and sticking to that kind of roadmap. Um, and you can see why, you know, VCs have invested a lot in that company um, and it's doing amazing, great things with the number of schools that it's servicing and whatnot. Um, and the other one that kind of surprised me a little bit was Troy, um, yeah. you know, from a middle school perspective, how much he had to add to the, the narrative and the conversation and the uniqueness of that role in a middle school context. Um, and, how it's not without its challenges uh you know being in that environment so a couple of special mentions there and more broadly you know we've loved every interview that we've done um you know we've gathered so many professional insights and you know we've said it before here on the pod best professional learning we do week in week out um and so great you know shout out to all our interviewees it's uh, it's been a wonderful wonderful year Absolutely agree. It, as I say, it's kind of like picking your favorite children, but a uh, special shout out to all those guests who have given up their time to join us and, and share their knowledge and wisdom. Uh, so with that, Matt, we also love uh, a good to learn list. We've talked about this, might've been on episode five or six maybe, but uh, to learns in 2023, have you got a couple of things that you'd like to, uh, to learn about? Um, so this has been on my radar for a couple of years and I know Luke and you and I have talked about this, but on my to learn list is how do you truly diversify the business model that exists in our schools? Um, when we know that we have a fixed income, we have a fixed, um, you know, business model, how do we diversify so that we can safeguard our education institutions and our schools for the future? Um, you know, as, as the economy continues to be disrupted, um, you know, as there's disruption and in innovation and technology and, and, and social disruption, how do we safeguard our schools? So I really love to, to delve a little bit more deeply into our business models. Um, I'd love to delve a little bit more deeply into, you know, how do we moved away from a fixed uh, income model? Um, and beyond salaries, we know that salaries make up so much of our expenditure in schools. Um, you know, how do we start shifting the dial? And I think diversification is probably the key. So for me, um, I really want to be committed to that for 2023 um, and, and see where that leads us. The other thing that I think is on my to-learn list and, and really Nisha inspired this is what does pastoral and community leadership look like 
in in a training context. We've spoken a lot on the pod about, you know, do you do an MBA? Do you do a master's of leadership? You know, what is what does the training look like? But my question is, what does pastoral training look like? How do you how do you be the social worker, the chaplain, the psychologist, the the support function when tragedy hits and when there are great challenges for people in their personal lives? Um, I don't I don't see where the training is for pastoral uh, community leadership. And so on my to learn list is is to to reflect on that, to find out more about where that potentially might be happening in leadership development courses across the country uh, and internationally. Um, and then potentially, you know, formulate something uh, for leaders going forward. So they'd be the two two big tickets uh, on my list to learn list for 2023. How about you? Uh, yeah, I'll get to me in a second, but I just do want to uh, mention. Uh, I knew. I'm going to dive into something here. Uh, diversification. I think. I mean, you and I have talked a lot about that over the last couple of years, but um, you know, I, th- I think it's been interesting this year watching Halebury from afar in terms of what they've launched with their online platform. Um, probably, I would I would guess, without doing the research, probably the most expensive online uh, school environment in Australia, certainly a, a premium cost. Um, and probably you, you'd have to say that Halebury, uh, you know, the way it's run with a, with a CEO, um, are one of the better schools at diversifying with different types of campuses, different locations, different states, online, hybrid, in-person. Um, they seem to be the leaders to me um, in that diversification. But I think the challenge with, diversific- with diversification becomes how do you remain niche or how do you remain not all things to all people? And I think in schools, sometimes we have this especially in the schools that we tend to work in. How do, we, how do we try and be all things to all people? Or we want to be good at sport. We want to be good at the arts. We want to be able to do this. We want to be able to do that. We want to be, you know, able to do it all. But when you, when you service all of those needs, generally it often means that you can't do everything well or that you're going to let some people down. And I think that notion of diversification, the challenge of that comes with how do we, diversify in niche areas so that we can be one thing to one group of people and do that really well and then do this other thing over here which is maybe a different service but do that really well too and so that that strategy notion of what we say yes to um is equally as important as what we say no to um to ensure that we get that quality um that we're delivering a quality product um yeah absolutely i couldn't agree more and I completely agree on the pastoral and community leadership. Um, you know, the only thing that I've really seen in that space is kind of probably like the mental first aid course or the mental well-being first aid course. But yeah, it's an interesting space and not everyone talks about, um, you know, improving your teaching and learning skills or improving your classroom skills. But there's not a lot of work that necessarily goes into improving that notion of how you're talking or having relationships with with children or students yeah i think it's a really interesting space um to to reflect on um at both a a teacher level but a leader level um yeah fascinating so are you ready i'm ready now okay go all right uh so for me you know i love tech uh Uh, and uh you know i put a post up about this last week but chat gpt 
uh, three in uh, the last few weeks. Um, an AI service that's kind of like this, uh, ask it anything and it gives you a very, uh, you know, very in-depth response. Um, don't know if you've had a chance to play this, but that notion of what what is AI going to be in education? How can it be a force for good? And it, having played with the tool, the, the fundamental difference of, of this one in particular, ChatGPT, is that it's free, free for anyone to use. Um, and you know, I've tried in a, in a few different circumstances uh, in the last few weeks, and it has so much capability and ability to be of assistance and of help in education, but it will also fundamentally shift and change the way potentially we think about assessing essays and whatnot in education. So it has this really good ability to, to be a force for good in many, in many, many ways. And I'd love to explore that and go deep on how that can play out. Um, and to focus on the good, obviously there's gonna be some drawbacks as well, but that's something I definitely wanna learn more about and, yeah. and possibly be a leader in understanding that. It's really interesting. Um, just before Christmas, I wrote an article just about this around AI and in the context of how does it change the identity of teachers? You know, we see teachers as, as instructors, teachers as experts. Well, this type of technology is going to shift the notion of identity to teacher as facilitator, teacher as mentor, and we'll see a rise in personalized learning because AI will be providing instruction um, and a lot of that, that, that expert um, knowledge when it comes to, you know, essay writing and, and collaboration and, and, and the like. Um, uh, the second notion that, that I wrote about was what was exactly what you've just described is assessment. You know, will kids be writing essays, um, you know, in two or three years time when we have predictive test, uh, text technologies and the type of technology you're sort of describing? Um, what does writing skills look like? What does research skills look like? Um, and so from that assessment perspective, it's really going to change it up. Um, so uh, I'm really pleased that you're doing that research because, um, you know, I can see it's happening now, but in the next, you know, let's say we, we fast forward five years, this will just be normal. So teacher identity changing and our, and our approach to assessment changing. Yeah. As you started talking there, I, I, I wrote down facilitator and then, then you talked about it, but, uh, yeah, I definitely think that it, it continues to evolve and change that notion, particularly as you move up you know through senior school context that notion of uh well i don't have to be the font of all knowledge and not that teachers necessarily think that but um to facilitating the right question to ask and i think that also lends itself to that notion of how is how is how is humans going to get the best of ai and i think it it moves us from this notion of maybe uh the industrial era when we were doers like we'd build things and, and do things. We've kind of moved into this knowledge era of creating knowledge, um, you know, over the last maybe two or three decades. And I think that this notion of AI is, is changing us from creator of knowledge to narrator. It's almost like we've got to narrate the right question to get the right answer or the very best answer. And the human skill will really be around how do we how do we ask the very best question to AI to get the very 
to elicit the very best answer. Um, and there'll be a real skill in understanding that. I don't think it's actually going to replace uh, you know, the need for marketing or media people or journalists or anything like that. The human skill is going to be nuancing the question that you're asking and then nuancing the response that it gives you to give that layer of context that humans require. And for me, you know, what you speak about is, is just the importance of critical thinking, the importance of curiosity and the importance of, of creativity. Um, they are precursors um, to asking the right question. Um, and I think overlaid with that um, is an ethical piece, you know, and I think, you know, how do we, how do we ask the right questions, ethical questions, um, you know, analytical questions, questions that seek synthesis, when we're that's what we're chasing so learners understanding what they need um, and then how might they ask those questions or in, interact with ai um, to to meet the outcomes that they seek um, so yeah i think you know that that's really interesting space and you know as i said i can't wait to see what you learn from that because uh, i'll certainly be borrowing from it yeah just to riff off that idea of the critical thinking imagine you know a year nine or ten Hassel English class where instead of instead of the assessment being write an 800 word essay on x maybe in three years time the assessment might be generate 10 different AI responses to this question or this topic and then critically analyze each of the that's right. essays and that, that's the difference isn't it that's a different yep. skill there's, there's a full circle there, um, you know, in, in terms of, of doing, doing the front end bit and writing piece and asking the right questions to, to analyzing and, and, and um, assessing um, the result. Um, so that, that feedback loop is, is absolutely direct from, from input to output. Absolutely. All right. Predictions for 23. Have you got any Nostradamus style, style predictions for next year, Matt? Predictions. Well, I think there's a lot of movement across the country um, to exploring a learner profile or a digital wallet. Um, that will be um, that validation tool for what comes next after schooling. Um, so, you know, I firmly believe that ATAR is, continues to diminish. Here in Western Australia, only 36% of students finished an ATAR pathway in 2022. Um, that's down um, from sort of 40% um, the previous year. So that con continues to de decline. Um, but a learner profile that articulates marks and grades and strengths and interest areas and, and capabilities like what we've just been describing in, in critical thinking, um, community service, um, so that, that active global citizenship piece uh, will come together in some form of digital wallet that's a national standard uh, that's transferable. Um, so I, I think a lot of progress in 2023 will be made towards that. Um, I can also see um, more people playing in the leadership space. So we'll see um, organizations, um, you know, both public and private sort of schooling systems moving much more in the leadership development space, but we'll also see um, recruitment firms move into the leadership space um, to provide a full suite of development, but also recruitment at the back end. Um, so I can see more people playing in the leadership development space. Um, so that would be the, the kind of the two pieces that, that I see in 2023 
um, will, will start to see evolve. And as I said, I think both of those concepts are national based. I don't think they're just sort of confined to a particular jurisdiction. I think we'll see that across um, across all systems. And it would be my hope, my idealistic hope, um, that our jurisdictions could get together um, and and make some of those changes. So, um, you know, watch the, watch those two spaces, I reckon. I like it. Some nice hot takes there, Matt. I, I think just to add to your notion around ATAR, um, I, I do think that probably in a year's time, maybe two, but by the by this time next year, the league rankings, the tables that get generated, I think they'll become more and more redundant. Um, we'll see more and more schools decide that they're not going to publish it or that they're not celebrating it. Um, and, you know, you and I talked a little bit about this, but, um, you know, I do think that if schools, as schools and leaders, and this is probably a, a good challenge to, to leaders out there, that, if we're all on this bandwagon to say ATAR's passed its use by date, and that we don't believe ATAR is a is a good, um, you know, necessarily a, a good judgment on a on an individual and their ability to succeed at university, or it's a not a good value to actually judge how good a school is, which most people in schools would tell you it's not. Then why are we all celebrating it? Particularly um, at a school level, um, you know, when we, we we celebrate the median ATAR, we are celebrating the middle kid. Um, and somehow that's a reflection on a school's academic um, prowess um, or, you know, a, a school's, um, you know, measure of success. It does not make sense. We're actually celebrating the middle kid. Now, I, I don't have a problem in celebrating individual achievement. Um, Absolutely and, agree. And, and Got to celebrate that. In any Abs form, whether in any that's form. art, sports, music, academically, celebrate it. But who came up with this notion that the median, a median ATAR would be a reflection of academic success? We'd put it in a rank and say, that school's successful because the middle kid got this. And just to add to that, I know that we talked about this, but in a WA context, 24,000 students did year 12. If you had a ATAR ranking of 90 as a median, that means, and you've got 100 kids in your cohort, that means that you're celebrating the 50th kid in your cohort achieving a ranking of about, what was that? I think there were 9,000 kids that did ATAR. So it was about the fact that they came 22,400th in the state. My maths is a little bit off there, I think, but you get the picture that, you're celebrating the 50th kid in your cohort coming 2,400th in the state on a ranking system of one to 24,000 when only nine or 10,000 kids did ATAR. It doesn't make any sense uh, at all. Um, and, you know, the schools that are chasing that and where they, they sit, you know, I think there's, there's an interesting marketing piece to say, you know, well, somehow in, in the court of public opinion, that's really important. But um, in the court of public opinion, if you wrote down the 50th kid and 2400th in the state, how would that go in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the court of public opinion? What does it mean? It doesn't mean Do anything. It doesn't mean anything. But to that kid who got that 90, well, that's a great success story for that individual kid. Absolutely. So, so why don't we put their name to it and say, hey, congratulations, you know, Bob. 
um, for, for that wonderful achievement that for your effort, for your resilience, for your perseverance, um, you know, for, for the strengths that you've shown in particular subjects. Thank you for your community service. Thank you for your commitment to, to our, our sporting teams, um, our, our music ensembles, um, you know, let's celebrate the whole, the whole package. Um, yeah, we could, get, we could riff on this for a while. Yeah. Um, but I think you're right. I think that uh, the ATAR is, is moving towards a, a lunar profile, but there's also a challenge to us to stop celebrating it. Celebrate the achievement. Don't celebrate an arbitrary ranking. Absolutely. All right. Uh, for me, what did I have? Um, my predictions are a little closer to home, Matt. Oh, okay. My prediction is by the end of 2023, Matt Irving will be in a new job. <laughs> oh, that's scary. <laughs> oh, thanks for that prediction. Ay, ay, ay. Ay, ay, ay. Well, we'll have to wait and see if that one comes true. <laughs> I better start looking. <laughs> Uh, a bit of fun there, a bit of fun. All right, Matt, uh, before we wrap up, just a couple of things. Uh, I guess I just wanted to quickly talk about Ed Leaders for 2023, uh, some goals and uh, what we've got planned uh, ahead. We had our company-wide retreat uh, about a month ago. <laughs> <laughs> By company-wide, I mean the two of us. The two of us. We had a company retreat. It was, we had a it, company retreat. It, it happened. It did. It was a great uh, weekend. Yeah, well, you made me think for like the whole time. We didn't stop talking. Um, it was a very intense uh, company retreat, I must say, but it was in a beautiful location. So that made all the difference. It did, it did. So with that, um, goals for 2023, I've got two. Um, one uh, is the impact list. And we'll be talking about more about this um you know, in the new year, hopefully publishing the impact list around uh, March, April, but really uh, highlighting those educators and those people connected to education that are having an impact in their communities and having an impact on education, uh, possibly more broadly as well. Fantastic. Can't wait to to, uh, to bring that to, to fruition, um, to really celebrate just the, the wonderful people and the wonderful things that they're doing across the country. Absolutely. And the second is the mastermind. Uh, we had our initial mastermind group uh, here in Perth, which met on a regular basis throughout the year. Um, really rewarding, really rich experience and very excited that we're going to be kind of launching a couple of additional streams of that. One up in Brisbane with our friend Megan King, uh, which is launching uh, in January. And then in a couple of months time, our very first online mastermind. Uh, so very excited to see how those things go. Um, and then thirdly, we are bringing the Ed Leaders Plus community membership to the fore. Uh, and what will this look like? It'll be a $99 a year membership uh, for our members, our people who have uh, supported us along the way, who want to help us to continue to make great content. But there'll be some additional perks. Uh, there'll be an online community uh, that goes with that. Um, and some special access, Matt, to uh, some special events that you and I will host, some Ask Me uh, Anything, some office hours throughout the year to uh, ring up and engage in a conversation, um, you know, or ring up and join us, I, I should say, on a, on, a, <laughs> on a Zoom call for a conversation, um, you know, 
talking about you know challenges that people might be having in in their own uh, jobs and whatnot um and then also for uh members only podcasts from people from that community wow there's a lot going on 2023 um you know what's on our to learn list how do we do all of this um and uh, continue to have an impact but i'm really excited about all those those different things that we've um you know we've committed to um and uh you know spreading the love and uh bringing more people into the ed leaders fold absolutely i can't wait to uh to continue to grow the community and to kind of i guess deliver on that that notion of authentic conversations and authentic connection, uh, you know, with people in K to 12 education. And I think, you know, the mastermind for me, I don't know, do you want to just describe a little bit in your words, a mastermind and, and what you've seen as the benefit of the mastermind that we've, that we've been running here in Perth? I think the the wonderful thing about mastermind is that you bring people um, from all walks of life, from all sectors, um, and we bring them together in, in community. Um, and we foster um, deep, meaningful connections, um, you know, and in many ways, that's what people value the most. It's not necessarily what we thought was going to be, be a value um, when we first started. Um, a traditional mastermind is an opportunity to, to put down some challenges and to seek the input and, and feedback from your colleagues. Um, and that's still an element of what we do in our mastermind and, and still has its place and, and um, still people value that opportunity to, to really explore their challenges, both what their you know, personal career development looks like versus some of the challenges in their schools. But um, for me, the ability to build such deep relationships uh, that then blossom outside the mastermind um, has been, you know, a wonderful thing to witness, um, you know, and, and I, I think, you know, those three, three ideas are the things that I think make our masterminds work. Um, and that's what we, we value. Absolutely. Like the value is actually being in the room, whether that's, you know, the literal room or the online room, the value is, is showing up, committing to kind of getting to know other people. Um, and, you know, like it's like having your own personal board of advisors that you can go to with, you know, your challenges of what's going on, um, you know, in your day-to-day -day or your, your professional life. But that value of deep, meaningful connection um, with colleagues who they understand what you're going through. They understand the position you're in. They, you know, they they are educators who are, I guess, a bit like us. They're a bit like an outlier. They, they want to see change. They want to see things improve. They want to do things uh, in, in, in a better way. They want to, you know, they want to extend themselves. They want to challenge themselves to be, to be better leaders. And I think, um, you know, one of those notions of everybody wins if, if, a, if a leader is better. Um, yep. And how often do we, you know, do we really invest in our own leadership? Yes, we might go to the, a conference here and there, or we might go to a workshop, but does that really improve your leadership? Hmm. But if you're surrounding yourself with, you know, talented people who are like-minded, you know, and who are going to challenge you to be a better leader, I think that's where true, true improvement happens. And, you know, and I think that's the unique aspect of a mastermind. Yeah, I think reflecting on our, our Perth mastermind to, to see, you know, seven of our 10 or 11 members um, now in new positions um, in the middle of, you know, towards the middle of the year and, and going to the end of our year, um, I think it's a really great reflection on people's personal journeys and development um, and how the mastermind has, has influenced uh, their confidence, 
um, their, their capability um, in, in putting themselves forward. So that's been a great, um, you know, a great thing to witness. Absolutely. So with that, Matt, any closing comments? Any closing comments? Well, what a year it's been. Um, I think we've just had such wonderful uh, interviews, um, some great insights along the way. Um, and for me, you know, if I was to just sort of sum it all up, you know, I have one word, community. Um, you know, we are we are building a unique community. Uh, we're really thankful for the people that listen to the podcast. We are we're so thankful uh, for the people that have joined us for our roundtables and our mastermind, um, the people that have endured, you know, us speaking at conferences <laughs> uh, and engaged with us in breakout sessions and the like. Um, we're truly thankful um, for for our ed leaders um, community. So if there was there was one thing I would sum up our whole journey this year would be community. I love it. That's a great word for the year, I think, um, community. And uh, I totally agree. I'm very thankful for everyone that listens to this to this podcast. Um, I'm thankful for those people that send us emails or comments about the value that they get. It really gives us a, you know, a lift when we get those kind of messages. Um, and I'm thankful for those people that have just supported us on the journey, whether that's been sponsors, um, you know, collaborators, um, people having us at their live events, yeah, very, very thankful for, for those connections and those people. Um, so totally agree with you there. And with that, that ends our recap of 2022. We look forward to, to joining you again uh, with more content, better content, uh, and more of it in 2023. And remember, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show and don't forget to share the love with a few of your colleagues that you listen to this great podcast called Ed Leaders, you can connect with both of us on LinkedIn um, and also connect with Ed Leaders on LinkedIn. Uh, you can join our tribe at edleaders.com.au where we'll keep you up to date with all the latest and hopefully we'll be getting out a few more newsletters in 2023. So watch this space. You can join up to our Ed Leaders Plus community membership on the Ed Leaders website as well. So to our entire audience, thanks again for listening in 2022. We'll catch you in 2023. Go well. <laughs>